morning and welcome to South Park Church. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you all for being here today. We're glad to have you with us, whether you're here in person in our modern sanctuary or joining us from downstairs in our traditional sanctuary or listening to our podcast or joining us online through the stream. A lot of ways to connect, but we're one church with one message, serving the one and only God. And uh, we are celebrating the stories of Jesus in this series in which we're going into the Bible and looking at some of the great stories about who Jesus is to learn about who he is and how he relates to our lives. And one goal that we really want to have is for you to see your story in the stories of Jesus. Uh, and so I encourage you as you listen today, as we go into the scripture, just think about where God might be speaking to you and how your story overlaps with Jesus. Um, also, during this series, you're going to have an opportunity out on the tables outside the sanctuaries and downstairs in our crossroads space on the second floor where we'll have coffee and donuts and fruit afterwards. Uh, there's some uh, papers that look like this. It's the Stories of Jesus logo. You can open it up. And it gives you a place where you can write one of your stories about Jesus. And it'd be good for you just to do this as a practice, to go home and say, where's Jesus working in my life? If you're watching online, you can just, you know, maybe just write something on a piece of notebook paper or an email. But if you felt led to share that with me, you could drop it uh, into a basket downstairs in the crossroads. There's a box right outside of each sanctuary here or online. You could email it to me. I'd love to collect some of these stories. Uh, and share them with permission with other people throughout the year who might benefit from the way that God's working in your life. Because a lot of times we read about God in the Bible, we hear about other things going on, but there's nothing more powerful than real everyday people just like you who encounter God that I could share that with other people who might be struggling in their faith stories, either in sermons or through social media or just one-on-one -on -one conversations. So I just would encourage you to think and pray about maybe if there's a story that you have that you'd like to share, we would love to receive that. And thank you to those of you who are already doing that. We're getting some amazing stories about how God is at work among the people here at South Park Church. Well, uh, I want to shift into today's message and just want to ask anybody watch the uh, college football national championship this past week. Anybody see that? Um, if you're not a Georgia fan, you probably didn't get past the first quarter because it was an absolute beatdown. Georgia beat Texas Christian University. Beat up on Christians, man. Whoa, come on, guys. But, but anyway, right, so that happened. And I, I don't know if you saw uh, the quarterback, uh, Stetson uh, uh, Bennett, right? He is the quarterback for Georgia, and he was the most valuable player of the game. Georgia won their second national championship back-to-back, -back, which is hard to do. It hadn't been done in many years. And uh, the quarterback for Georgia played in four playoff games to be able to do that, and he was the most valuable player in each of those games. He set all kinds of records for touchdowns and all kinds of things, and he was a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate, which means that's the best college player in all of football. Um, but I found out something today, or actually this past week, that uh, I found it, it, it was, it just didn't make sense, right? So this quarterback from Georgia has all those accolades and everything, but did you know that he will never, never qualify for the College Football Hall of Fame? He'll, he's not eligible to do that. You know why that is? To be eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame, you have to be named an All-American, and that's the one thing that he didn't get. So all those accolades, right, the best quarterback over the past couple of years, and he's not going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Just doesn't make sense, especially if you're a Georgia fan. I know Cole Bryan, our modern worship leader, is a big Georgia fan. He's probably shaking his head right now. Right? What are some things in your life that you look at and you just say, that doesn't make sense? heard about this guy in Florida who, for the past 17 years, at every meal that he eats, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, 
it's mac and cheese, right? That's, that's all he eats, right? Like, I understand mac and cheese is good, right? My kids love mac and cheese. But for 17 years, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all you eat is mac. How's he alive, right? That doesn't make sense to me. Anybody like IHOP, right, International House of Pancakes, right? I, I mean, I'm thinking about like pancakes or waffles or bacon or eggs, you know, toast, get some jam on there. Right? I love IHOP, that kind of stuff. Do you know what IHOP's serving now? Salmon. Because <laughs> that makes sense, right? <laughs> hey, let's go out and get some, yeah, some dinner tonight. You want to go to McCormick's and Smith's? You know, I want some good fish. No, let's go to IHOP. They got good salmon there, right? <laughs> Just doesn't make sense. So here in Charlotte, we are in Mecklenburg County. Uh, we're proud to be here. It's a great county, great place to be and live and all that good stuff. But one of our neighboring counties next to Mecklenburg County, I'm not going to name their, their name, but um, in their school system, right, I found out just recently that in the school system of this neighboring county, math teachers are not allowed to teach students multiplication tables. They can't do it. You know why that is? They say, we don't want students to memorize multiplication tables. Like, you know, 7 times 7 is 49, and 10 times 10 is 100. We want them to understand multiplication, right? So if you're doing 12 times 12, everybody knows what that is, right? 144, right? In this school system, they want you to get a piece of paper out and, and draw, right, 12 circles 12 times, right? So that you can understand what 12 times 12 is. And that makes sense, but... Practically, does that make sense? Like you go to Lowe's, you go to Home Depot, say, I need 12 screws for 12 boards. <laughs> can, can I borrow a piece of paper? One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. You can't memorize multiplication. You could get fired if you teach multiplication in a school system, right? Things that don't make sense. Today, I want us to think about what happens when Jesus doesn't make sense. We're here all today, whether we're in person or online or wherever. We're all here today probably because we're interested in God. We're interested in Jesus. Maybe some of us love Jesus and he's the number one thing in our lives. Some of us are curious about Jesus or we're trying to check Jesus out. There's, there's some reason that we're here today. And, and usually Jesus is somehow connected to that since we're a Christian church. And, and, and we love Jesus. We trust Jesus. But what happens when Jesus does things that just don't make sense. I want us to explore that today as we think about the stories of Jesus. What do we do when Jesus doesn't make sense? A few years ago, I was on uh, a board of ministry for our denomination, the United Methodist Church. And what we did was, for people who felt called by God to be pastors, they have to go through this uh, whole system to be able to be ordained and qualified, that sort of thing. And so our role is to make sure that they were ready to, to be a pastor. And so I was on the preaching committee, and so our job was to just listen to them preach a sermon. They had to write a sermon out. They had to videotape a sermon, send it in to us, and then we would watch it, and then we'd have them come in, and we asked them questions to see if they were ready to be in a church setting like this to, to preach the Word of God. And each year, they would assign different scriptures. Some of them were easier to preach. Some were hard to preach. And this one year, they assigned this scripture. I'm like, this just isn't fair. Right? These are new people learning how to preach the Word of God. Like, this is challenging. Like, this is taking it to the next level. I'm glad I don't have to preach this scripture to this committee, right? Because Jesus in this story doesn't make sense. And so as we were doing this, planning for this series, like, this, this passage of scripture came on my heart. And I'm like, oh, man, i got to preach this thing finally, right? <laughs> i got to want to do this, right? But, but sometimes we have to tackle tough scripture where Jesus does things that just really 
don't seem to be in character with Jesus. So I'm going to take that scripture today, and we're going to walk through it. I want you to see what you think about Jesus, and does this make sense to you? Okay, so we're going to pick up the story where Jesus is in the height of his ministry. Uh, He's been going toe-to-toe with some of the religious leaders of the day, the Israeli religious leaders of the day, and they don't really like Jesus, and so they're going back and forth. He takes a break from that, and that's where we pick up the story today in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's one of Jesus' 12 disciples, uh, and this is what we learn. Leaving that place where you've been debating with the Jewish religious leaders, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. All right, so Jesus has been with the Jewish people of Israel where he's been sent to do ministry, and he goes to a place called uh, Tyre and Sidon. All right, so these are, those are in the area of Israel, but they're not Jewish towns. They're Gentile towns, so people who are not Jewish. Uh, And these towns are wealthy and they're powerful and they worship other gods uh, that we don't believe are real. And so the people of Israel didn't really like these Gentile cities or these Gentile towns. So Jesus is going into kind of a different territory. And we're going to see things that happen here. All right. So a Canaanite woman, uh, which means that she was not Jewish. She was not of the people of Israel, the people that Jesus had come to, to do ministry with and all that kind of stuff. Some other translations say that she was Syrophoenician, right? She, she's not one of the people of Israel. She was from that vicinity, and she came to him crying out, Lord. Right? So she sees this Jewish teacher. She's not Jewish. But she honors him and calls him Lord, which is a a title of respect. And we also believe, obviously, that Jesus is Lord of the world, the universe. And maybe, maybe she might be thinking that. Lord, son of David, right? Son of David was a Jewish or a a phrase from Israel, right? The people of Israel were waiting for their Messiah, their Savior to come. Uh, The Roman government ruled over Israel. They thought that the Messiah would come and kick the Romans out and let Israel rule itself again, right? So son of David is a Jewish messianic Messiah term. So this non-Jewish woman is using this term saying, addressing Jesus as the Messiah, right? She recognizes that he is someone special. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. This is a mom whose daughter is suffering. She believes that Jesus is someone special who could help her daughter, right? Which it's it's interesting because where she is, there's there's about three miles away is a a temple to a, a false god of healing. And she's not at that place asking for healing. She comes to the foreigner, to Jesus, and she says, I need you to help my daughter, Right? Because as parents, we will do anything when our child is suffering. And so she has come to Jesus, this foreigner, this person who's not like her, but she believes that he might be able to help her daughter. So let's see what happens. Jesus did not answer a word, which is a little unusual. When you read the Bible, Jesus is usually not short on words. He, he talks a lot. He has a lot of good ideas, and he shares those. But now he's silent. So his disciples came to him and they urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. She's been bugging us and nagging us, saying, let me see Jesus. I got this issue with my daughter. Just send her away. Now, what you need to know is that earlier in Matthew's gospel, Jesus sends out these same disciples to go out and to heal people of diseases, cast out demons, to, uh, to teach them and to preach to them, and even raise people from the dead. But when Jesus sent his disciples out, he said, go to the people of Israel. Don't go do this for the Gentiles. 
And so the, the disciples are saying, here comes a Gentile woman. Jesus told us not to help them. She's nagging them, nagging them. Say, Jesus, just tell her to go away. She's a nuisance. Does that sound like Jesus to you guys? Let's see what happens next. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. That's pretty hard to take, isn't it? Right? This woman's crying out, help my daughter. I know that I'm not from Israel, and we're different nationalities, we're different ethnicities, but I heard you're a man of healing, you're a Messiah, can you help me? Right? And Jesus says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Implying what? You're not from the lost sheep of Israel. Why am I wasting my time with you? And if you think that's bad, look at this verse. Uh, well, after this one. The woman came and sent only... Uh, uh, and the, sorry. You go back. Go to the next one, Melissa. I'm, I'm messing you up. The woman came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me, she said. Right? So he's like, I'm only for the people of Israel. But she comes back, right, and she calls him Lord for the second time, and she gets down on her knees, right? Help me. Help my daughter. Like, that's, that's pretty gut-wrenching emotional stuff right there, right? So, and this is the hard part. It's coming right now. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. It's not right to take the bread for the people of Israel and toss it to the dogs of the Gentiles. Jesus just called this woman a dog. He said, it's not right for me to help you because you're not of the people of Israel. You're a dog. And like in the first century, right, in this part of the world, dogs were not cute little pets, right? They were scavengers and they were pests and they were trying to, you know, eat your food or bite you and give you rabies or whatever, right? At the very rare cases where you might have a house puppy, right? It's still a dog. So Jesus is saying to this woman, you're a dog and I'm not going to help you. Right? That'd be like after this service, if somebody in the congregation came up to me afterwards saying, you know, I'm from Mexico, and uh, I'm from Canada. We're staying at the hotel right behind the church, and, you know, we appreciate all that you're doing. And we're on some hard times, Pastor. We haven't eaten in a while. Do you, do you think your church could help us eat? And then I would reply to them, you know, I'm glad you're here. I wish I could help you, but, you know, uh, God sent me only to take care of Americans. And I don't have time for Mexican dogs or Canadian dogs, so just get out of my church. That's what Jesus said to this woman. Right? This is the same Jesus that we love and worship. This is the same Jesus we believe came for everybody. Like, what the heck is Jesus talking about? Jesus does not make sense and seems very offensive. Right? How can we worship this guy, right? Let's see what happens. Yes, it is Lord. She calls him Lord again. Third time she calls him Lord, even though he's just called her a dog. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I need you to save my daughter. If you think I'm a dog, right, you won't feed me. I'll take the crumbs. I'll take whatever you have to give me, right? Because you, Jesus, you're the one that can feed everyone, right? She is persistent, and she is hanging on, and she's not giving up. Even if Jesus just insulted her to her face. Right? Let's see what's next. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. Right? You have great faith. You persisted. You called me Lord three times. You got down on your knees. Right? You called me the Messiah. Right? You wouldn't give up even when I insulted you. Right? Your faith is great, and your daughter is healed. And that's good, and that's great, but 
how do we still reconcile with Jesus calling her a dog? Let's, let's hang on to that. I know it's some tension, and we're going we're gonna to talk more about it. But before we do, I, I want to take us back to why is Jesus so positively supporting the people of Israel and not the people who are not from the people of Israel? All right, so let's go back to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, um, in which God calls a man named Abram to do something special. Right? The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country. Abram kind of lived where Iran or Iraq is today in Persia. Right, I want you to go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Right? He's saying go from Persia, and he's going he's gonna to take Abram to what becomes Israel. Okay? That's what God's doing with Abram. I will make you, you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is a covenant that God makes with Abram and his wife Sarah. Right? He becomes known as Abraham, Abraham and Sarah. So God says to Abraham, I want you to leave where you live. I want you to go to another place. I want you to start a family. That family's going to become a nation, and that nation's going to be the nation of Israel. And that nation of Israel will ultimately bless the entire world. Right? It's going to bless the entire world. Okay? Let's look at Isaiah. This is also in the Old Testament. Isaiah is a prophet. That means someone who speaks on behalf of God. And this is what uh, God says through Isaiah. I, the Lord, have called you, Israel, into righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Israel will be a light for the Gentiles. You remember the woman that Jesus was talking to? She was a Gentile, right? Jesus said, I'm only for Israel. But the Old Testament says, Israel is here for the Gentiles. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. To open their eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. So the whole point of the Old Testament leading to the New Testament is that God saw that humanity had been created in God's image, and that was very good. There's goodness in all of us because we are created in God's image. You were created in God's image. There's goodness in you. But we also have been given the gift to make choices. And sometimes we make terrible choices and we hurt ourselves and we hurt other people and we break relationships. And because of that, we encounter pain and guilt and shame and death and, and what the Bible calls hell, broken relationships. And God said, I don't want that to be the way things are. And so God launched a plan to bring us back. And that plan started with a nation of Israel that would ultimately have Jesus and that nation of Israel would ultimately be a blessing to the whole world. So God said, I'm going to win the world back, but I have to start somewhere, right? And so for whatever reason, God chose Israel. I'm going to start with Israel, and from Israel, I'm going to save the whole world through Jesus. So that's the background here. But again, why is Jesus calling a woman a dog who is a Gentile, right? What, what's going on here? Right now, in my life, it's very rare that I'm a minority. I'm a white man living in the southern United States of America. I am rarely, rarely a minority. Right? But in this case, I'm with most all of us who are not Jewish. Right? If I was in, in the story with Jesus, I would be a Gentile dog, and I would be the persecuted minority. And I want to know, Jesus, why are you calling me and my people dogs? Okay? So some people read this scripture, and they say that Jesus was just prejudiced. 
that he had, he was prejudiced nationalism. He had like a nationalism thing. It's Israel over everybody else or his ethnicity, right? Jewish over, you know, Gentiles, right? So some people read that Jesus was just prejudiced and he needed to learn. This was a growth opportunity for Jesus. I personally don't believe that. But you can make a great argument by reading the scripture that that might be the case. So that's one kind of interpretation of what's going on, Jesus. Another interpretation is that Jesus was testing this woman, right? He was trying to see how much her faith was, even using, you know, common belief of the day that Gentiles were inferior to people of Israel, and he was testing her to see how she would do in the midst of that, knowing that she was going to pass the test. So some people say, right, Jesus didn't really mean it. He was just testing her, that kind of stuff. Another thought line in this, some interpreters read that Jesus wasn't testing the woman. He was testing his disciples. Like when he called her a dog, he might have winked at her saying, I don't really believe you're a dog, but the disciples do. This is a test for them, right? It'd kind of be like if I came home one day to, and uh, to my wife, Laura, who's sitting right here, and I, I said to Laura, she said, hey, how's your day going? I'm like, you know, it's been a rough day. Uh, I got called a moron at, at work all day today, right? Not just by one person, but by the whole staff, right? They, they said, Pastor Kyle, you're just a moron, right? And I'm like, I'm so sad. And she's like, honey, you're not a moron. You know, I love you. You're smart and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I feel better. Thanks for consoling me. And hey, by the way, what's for dinner? And she would say, oh, you know what? I don't cook for morons. You're on your own, right? <laughs> right? She doesn't believe I'm a moron. It's kind of a joke. Some people say that's what's going on with Jesus, right? He uses the local language of the day, right? People think that you're a dog, but I don't really think you're a dog. Right? So, different ways of interpreting this scripture. Right? What's important here, though, is, is the faith of that woman. Right? Her daughter is in a bad way, and she comes to Jesus, and she calls him Lord three times. She comes to Jesus, she kneels down. Right? She comes to Jesus, and she has this incredible faith. She, she won't quit. Right? She, she petitions Jesus. She's not going anywhere. She'll say, I'll take what I can take, because I think you're the guy. Right? And so what that teaches us, right, is that anyone can be a faithful follower of Jesus, right? right? Anyone can be a faithful follower of Jesus, right? Anyone can be a faithful follower of Jesus. Now, the people of Israel, right, they were called to worship Jesus, and some of them did, right? But some of them chose not to do that, right? Some of the people of Israel chose not to do that. In fact, when Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth and he tried to let them know that he was there from God, do you know what they tried to do to him? They tried to kill him and throw him off a cliff, right? And so some of the people of Israel chose to follow Jesus, some did not. Melissa, you can go back to that one slide that I just skipped um, about the privilege thing, right? This point is that privilege demands accountability, right? Jesus started with the people of Israel and they were accountable to say, yes, I'm with you. But some did not, right? And so today, as we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, right, I, I want us to think about in our lives, like the people of Israel had this sense of privilege. Like in our lives, what privilege do you have in your life? And when you stand before God one day and you're accountable for that, what are you going to say to God, right? If, if you have privilege because of your skin color, if you have privilege because of your gender, or maybe because of your income, or maybe you're popular at school and you can have influence on others, what ways are you privileged? And how are you using that privilege to help other people? 
right? Thanks be to God for Dr. Martin Luther King who saw a broken system in America where people who had, people of color couldn't go to the same schools as people who were white. They couldn't work in the same jobs. They couldn't ride the same buses, right? They couldn't even go to the same churches. And so Dr. King called them out saying, you have privilege, right? And you need to make a difference, right? And thank God that we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. And so the people of Israel right, had this privilege, and they're accountable for that. In, in your life today, what privilege do you have? And how are we going to stand before God and say, this is how I used my privilege to help other people in the world? And then like the, the Gentile woman, right? It shows that anyone can be a faithful follower of Jesus. So Jesus healed the Gentile woman's daughter. But guess what? That's not the only Gentile person that Jesus was in ministry with. We're going to see later in the Gospels that a Roman soldier, right? Remember the Romans, they conquered Israel. They were there. Their military was there, right? They, people hated them. They didn't want them to be there. They wanted them to, to leave, right? But this Roman centurion, he wasn't just a soldier. He was a, he was a leader of a hundred Roman soldiers, he came to Jesus one day and he said, my servant is sick. Would you heal him? This is huge, right? This Gentile military guy coming to Jesus saying, I need your help. And he said, and Jesus said, yeah, let me go with you. I will heal him. And the centurion said, you don't even need to come. Because like in my job, I give an order. I don't have to go. I just tell somebody to do it. They go and do it. Like all you have to do, Jesus, is say the word and my servant's going to be healed. This is what Jesus said back to that guy. Look at this. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Right? I came first to the people of Israel so that we could bless the world, right? But here's this Gentile Roman soldier who has more faith than anybody that I've met. And he healed that Gentile man's servant with this long-distance healing. It's pretty cool, right? Jesus, right, he heals Jews, he heals people of Israel, he heals the Gentiles, right? We're seeing a pattern here, okay? You know what the story is right after where Jesus encounters this Canaanite woman who he calls a dog? Uh, you guys remember, have you heard the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Where Jesus takes just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and he feeds 5,000 men plus the women and children that were there. Maybe 10 or 12, 15,000 people. Right? Well, there's another story in the Bible that's called the feeding of the 4,000, where he does the same thing. And so some people think, well, it's just the same story. The Bible people got it mixed up. But no, it's two different stories. So right after Jesus is with this woman, he heals the woman's uh, daughter that he called a dog, the Gentile woman. The next story is he goes and he feeds the 4,000 men plus the women and kids. So maybe 8, 10, 12, 15,000 people. You know what the difference is? When Jesus fed the 5,000, guess who they were? They were the people of Israel. When he fed the 4,000, guess who they were? They were the Gentiles, right? So Jesus did come for everyone. Jesus does love everyone. Jesus doesn't think that we're dogs, right? And so we see this pattern where Jesus is for the people of Israel, and he's for all people. And that's, that's his next point I want to share with you here. Jesus is for all people. Jesus is for all people. You say that with me? Jesus is for all people. Whether you're red, yellow, black, and white, right? male, female, young, old, wherever you live, wherever you come from, Jesus is for all people. And he thinks none of us are dogs, all right? Jesus is for all people. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is, right? Jesus is trustworthy even when he doesn't make sense. 
Jesus is trustworthy even when he doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense when he called her a dog, but it was much bigger than that, right? He healed her daughter. He didn't think she was a dog. He loved the Gentile people. He continued to minister to Gentile people. Jesus is trustworthy even when he doesn't make sense. And there's a lot of times that Jesus doesn't make sense, right? Like the people of Israel, they were anticipating a, a, a military ruler or a political ruler to be their Messiah. Who was Jesus? He was a carpenter, right? He came. Jesus says stuff that doesn't make sense. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He says, don't worry, right? Who says don't worry, right? Jesus says all these things that don't make sense. And then there are the things in our hearts and minds that we really wrestle with. Jesus, why don't you stop war? Why don't you stop the war in the Ukraine? Why don't you make that thing disappear? Jesus, why didn't you heal my loved one? Why, why don't you stop suffering? If there's things that don't make sense in the world, and yet we still have to trust that Jesus is with us. We have to trust that Jesus is working in all circumstances to bring good into our lives, right? He doesn't cause bad things to happen, but he works through them to bring goodness into our lives, right? Jesus is trustworthy even when things don't make sense. And sometimes things don't make sense in a good way, right? We just came through the pandemic. We've been dealing with inflation. Uh, all of us, our spending power is dropping. Our bills are going up, and we're not getting raises that keep up with that, right? We're losing jobs. Why would you ever give away any money in, in, a, in a situation like that? But that's exactly what we just did at Christmas. We took up a special offering uh, that we call our Christmas offering, and we, we give it as a Christmas present to Jesus, right? Because Christmas is Jesus' birthday, right? And so we give Jesus a, a birthday present every year, and so we take up an offering, and we give that away, 100% away, to ministries that are making a difference. And this year, we were going to collect an offering for three special ministries. Two of them were in Charlotte, right? They are they, they fight against human trafficking, Justice Ministries uh, and Dahlia Grove, right? Charlotte's number one in North Carolina in the top ten in the nation for modern-day human slavery. Right? On Martin Luther King weekend, I want you to hear that. We're number one in the state, top ten in the nation. We're not proud of this for human slavery, where women and children are usually bought and sold for sex in our city. But you said, I, I don't want to be a part of that. And so we took up an offering to help the people that are fighting that. We also are going to give part of this offering to a church in Asheville that is made up of homeless people for homeless people that doesn't have any money, so they can't be a church unless other churches support them. And the founder of that church grew up in our church. Something that doesn't make sense. Post-pandemic, in the midst of inflation, you gave this much money to this offering, $36,809.20. Praise God. Why would you give away almost $37,000? Because you believe in a God that's trustworthy even when he doesn't make sense. You believe in a God who's trustworthy even when he doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense to the world, but it makes sense to us because we love Jesus, and this is a way of showing that love. So I invite you to consider just a few action steps to follow up on what we're talking about today, right? When Jesus doesn't make sense, these are some things that you can do. One, wrestle with Jesus, right? That woman, that Canaanite woman, she wrestled with Jesus. She's like, what do you mean you're not going to heal my daughter? I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to have faith in you, right? If something is going on in your life that doesn't make sense and you, don't, you can't get your head around it, you can wrestle with Jesus. It's okay. doesn't mean that you're not faithful. You can wrestle with Jesus. You can talk to Jesus. You can vent to Jesus. 
right? Jesus is there, right? Another thing you can do is consider the big picture, right? If you just read that one story about Jesus, you think he was racist or, na uh, you know, a nationalist or, or prejudiced, right, ethnically. But when you read the whole story of Jesus, what did he do? He loved everybody, people from Israel, people who were Gentiles, right? He healed that woman's daughter. He healed that centurion's servant. He fed the 4,000 just like he fed the 5,000. Jesus is for everyone. You've got to look at Jesus through the whole big picture of the Bible, right? Trust Jesus. When things don't make sense in your life, trust Jesus. I would add the word to that anyway. Trust Jesus anyway because he comes through. Trust Jesus anyway. And then finally, share your story, right? Is there a time in your life where God didn't make sense and you trusted him and you got through it? I would love to hear about that. I would love for you to write that down. I'd love to share that story with other people, right? Because people come to me all the time saying, where is Jesus? God doesn't make sense to me, right? I'm going through something challenging and Jesus just doesn't make sense. And I say to them, trust him anyway, right? I'd love to have your story to say, look how God is working in real everyday one last thing that just doesn't make sense. When Jesus was in heaven and he looked down and he's like, I created earth, right? I created people in my image. There's so much good in them. And I give them life and breath and relationships and love. And I give them sunsets and mountains and oceans. And, and how do they repay me? They fight and they fuss and they argue and they doubt and they cuss each other out. They kill each other, right? They, right? Well, but you know what? I'm still going to leave heaven and I'm going to give up this perfect place and I'm going to go down to the earth and I'm going to become a little bitty baby and I'm going to grow up to be a, a vulnerable man and I know that people are going to make fun of me. They're going to reject me and they're going to hate me and they're going to put me on trial for something that I didn't do. They're going to torture me. They're going to kill me. But I'm going anyway. And I'm going to come back to life so that all people, all people, Jews, Gentiles, men, women, whatever, have a way back to God. Does it make sense that Jesus left heaven to become a human being, to die on a cross in a heinous way? No, it doesn't make sense. But he did it because he loves you. And the God of the universe that has billions of stars and planets and is a lot to keep up with, I imagine, up in heaven, keeping track of everything that's happening in the universe, has time every day to know who you are, how many hairs are on, on your head, to know what stresses you out, to know what hopes that you have, to know what fears that you have, that God cares about you going to work, God cares you about going to school, God cares about you driving down the road, right? The God of the universe takes time out of God's busy schedule and cares about your everyday life. That doesn't make sense to me, but I'm glad that's who God is. You are that important to God. It doesn't make sense. But Jesus loves you. And you are anything but a dog. Jesus is trustworthy even when it doesn't make sense. Trust Jesus anyway. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.